If you, if you haven't been with us for the last uh, few weeks, we've been going through the book of Matthew in a series called What is Shaping You? And essentially, the, the question we're trying to, we're trying to answer um, as best we can is, what does it look like to become more and more like Jesus? What does it look like to allow the Spirit of God to change us and to shape us and to make us more like Jesus? Because essentially, if, if you are a Christian, that is your goal in life, is to become more and more like Jesus. And today, we're coming to the question of, what are you weeping for? What is breaking your heart? We often think of broken hearts as a negative thing, and actually, throughout the Bible, a broken heart is a very good and biblical and godly thing to have. I've noticed as um, I've become uh, closer to uh, when when friendships have formed, or um, as I've become closer to Susie, or as I've become closer to um, just anyone around me, I I start caring about things that they care about that before I just had zero interest in. Um, I used to not care at all um, about Grey's Anatomy. And now that has changed through becoming closer and closer to Susie. Um, as you become closer to someone, you, become, you start to care about the things that they care about. That's a trivial, trivial example, but I'm sure you can see the way that this plays out on a much bigger scale. And so in the same way, as we become more and more like Jesus, as you become closer to Jesus... As you allow the Spirit of God to change you more and more into the image of Jesus, you will start caring about the things that Jesus cares about. Your heart will start breaking for the things that break Jesus' heart. And this is exactly what we come to in this passage. So if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and open up to Matthew 23, starting in verse 37. Um, or it'll be, it'll be up on the screen as well. It's Matthew 23, verse 37 to the end. So this is uh, God's word. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you are not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate, for I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. If you guys want to keep that open, we're going to be coming back to that passage over and over again. But as we hear Jesus' words here, at first glance, they seem quite harsh, they seem quite um, brutal almost. And, and if you read what has come before, he has just had some very harsh words to say to the Pharisees, to the religious rulers of the time. It's a famous passage called the seven woes. And basically what Jesus is saying, Jesus gives them seven examples of how, how hypocritical they have been. And he ends this with the verses that we have just read. And so at first glance, this seems really harsh 
And it seems even harsher because these are the last words that Jesus says to Israel before he goes to the cross. These are the last words that he says at the temple before literally turning his back and walking away. You see, since Abraham, God had been forming a people for himself. God had been creating a nation for himself. They were meant to reflect his character. They were meant to reflect his love, his glory, his heart for the world. But yet, more and more, as you read the words of Jesus, as you read what he has to say to Israel, you realize that they have failed in this mission. And the greatest way they have failed is that they have not recognized who Jesus is. Time and time again, through Jesus' earthly life, he has made it crystal clear who he is. He has not hidden the fact that he is truly God. He is truly the Son of God. He is truly the answer to every bit of the Old Testament, every scripture that they would have known off by heart. He was the answer. And they have failed to recognize him. And so we could assume that God, in the person of Jesus, would simply turn away and say, fine, have it your way. Have it your way. I'm I'm walking away from you. I don't care anymore. I've tried. You guys are failing. I don't care. I'm walking away. And that would make sense to us. And yet, we have this incredible picture in this passage of a God who, yes, pronounces judgment, but a God who laments. A God whose heart is broken because this people that he loves, this people that he had a perfect plan for, have rejected him over and over and over again. We have a picture of a God who does not turn away not caring about them. We have a picture of a God who doesn't simply pronounce judgment and say, fine, have it your own way. I don't care anymore. We have a picture of a God here who says the words, I have longed to gather you together. I have longed to gather you together. You can see his heart is broken. I wonder if when you think of God, you think of God who is so high above this earth, so holy and perfect and glorious and so far from the way we are. And that's true. And yet I wonder if you have a tough time seeing that this is, he is the same God who cares deeply for you, who loves you so deeply I wonder if you've ever felt like God doesn't care about you. Like you have just turned away from him once too many times for him to care anymore. No, we see it so clearly here. He weeps and he laments over his people. You might look at this passage and think, well, don't Israel deserve to be rejected? They've rejected him. Don't they deserve to be rejected? Shouldn't he just turn away from them? 
That's our, that's our reaction when we see evil being paid back. It was good. Deserved it. They got, they, got what they, they got what was coming. And I think sometimes that's our image of God as well. And yet throughout the Bible, it is so clear that God does not delight in the destruction of even evil people. He laments over it. He laments over sinners who reject him. Jesus looks at these people and laments over their sin, over their hard hearts. He sees something deeply wrong, and he weeps over it. And so as we become more and more like Jesus, as your heart and my heart are made more and more into the image of his heart, we will be brokenhearted over the same things that he is brokenhearted about. As we see deep sin and brokenness in ourselves and in the world, we will become more and more brokenhearted over it as well, and we will lament. Have you ever sat and wept over the sin in your life? Cried out to God saying, why, why am I still stuck in these patterns of behavior? Why do I still keep doing this? Have you ever sat and watched the news and wept and asked God, why is this happening? This is good news if it has happened. This is good news if that has been your reaction because it shows that Jesus is making you more and more like him. He weeps and laments over sin and brokenness. And so as you become more like Jesus, you will as well. And yet, it also begs the question, why is it that God allows these things to happen? Why is it that we even have stuff to lament over? Couldn't God just do away with it? What is it that makes it that we have things to lament over? See, in verse 38, he says, he looks at Israel, he looks at his people, he looks at the temple, he looks at the religious rulers, and he says, look, look, your house is left to you desolate. What Jesus is saying is because of their sin, because of their rejection of him, this is what has happened. Jesus is showing that nothing good has come from rejecting him. He is showing that every time they reject him, it leads to desolation, it leads to destruction, it leads to emptiness. See, Jesus goes on in chapter 24 to talk about the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Israel. And we know this to be true because in the year 70 AD, there was a failed Jewish rebellion against the Roman Empire. The Romans crushed it and they destroyed the temple. Jesus is showing time and time again, if you reject me, look at what happens And it's the same today. If we have hearts that reject Jesus, this leads to brokenness. 
This leads to desolation. This leads to emptiness. And we see it in ourselves and we see it in the world we live in. And yes, we can say, well, the refugee crisis is due to all sorts of social and economic issues, maybe. The problems in our environment are due to all sorts of issues out there, but ultimately the issue is that human hearts reject Jesus. Human hearts reject who Jesus is. And the Bible shows that our sin and brokenness have effects not only on ourselves, not only in our relationship with God, but our relationship with each other, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with the world. And so where Jesus is not recognized as the true God and Savior, we shouldn't be surprised that there is so much wrong and so much emptiness and so much broken in this world. I'm sure you're glad you came this morning. You were hoping for something uplifting. Jesus is saying, look at what happens when you reject me. But do we stop there? Because if we stop there, then we all go home quite depressed. We all go home thinking, what's the point? What's the point of all this Jesus stuff if all he has to say is, is judgment and negative and yes, he laments, but that, I mean, so what? That doesn't change anything. Everyone knows the world is broken. Everyone knows that we are not perfect. Everyone knows that there are things wrong in this world. It is not a distinctly Christian thing to know that the world is broken. Everyone who is honest knows that the world is broken. Everyone knows that there are wrong things happening. So, does Jesus have anything to offer as an answer to this. Well, Jesus' final words to them are, he addresses them and he says, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What he does, he takes Psalm 118 which talks about victory, final victory over God's enemies. And he essentially says, next time you see me, it will be when I return, and you will know for sure who I am. And again, you could think, well, that is, again, that's just judgment. That's just warning. That's, there's no hope. You're turning away from Israel saying, the next time you see me will be judgment day, and What's, you're not providing anything. But we know what happens next. You see, Jesus does turn away from the temple. He does turn away from where his presence was dwelt in a special way within the temple. And he turns away, yes, in judgment. And yes, his last words to Israel are, lament, but we know where that took him ultimately. We know that Jesus did not leave it there. We know that this road led Jesus to the cross. 
to where he was going to take every sin, every bit of brokenness, every bit of judgment that you and I deserve. And he was going to die for it. On the cross, he provided the answer for everything we lament over. On the cross, he provided the answer for everything that breaks your heart and my heart. He provided a way for our broken and sinful hearts to be made new and for us to be reconciled with him, even though we have turned away. When Jesus returns, yes, everyone will know who he is. Everyone will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this is bad news for some who do not turn to him. But he has provided a way for us to turn to him now, today. If you turn to Jesus, he will take every bit of sin and brokenness and desolation in you and give you abundant life. He turns away in lament and judgment, and yet he shows there is still a way. And on the cross, he not only reconciled humans with God, he did so much more than that. In Colossians 1.19, it says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, yes, it saves all of those who turn to him, but it is also the beginning of Jesus reconciling everything to himself. It is the beginning of the promise that Jesus will make everything right one day. And so as we become more like Jesus, yes, we will be brokenhearted, and yes, we will lament over the brokenness within ourselves, of the brokenness within Belfast, of the brokenness within Athens, of the brokenness in our world, and yet we do so with so much hope because Jesus is making everything new. And one day it will be made right. One writer says, to cry is human, but to lament is Christian because we do it with so much hope. We were just talking about just one a few minutes ago. Why is it that five churches gathered together and poured all of this energy into this event? Because our hearts are broken over the number of people within Belfast who do not know Jesus. We lament over this, and yet we do so with so much hope because Jesus has said, I will save everyone who comes to me. Why are Susie and I going to Athens? Because God has broken our hearts over people who are driven away from their countries and who are left in inhumane situations. And yet we do so with so much hope because God has promised he is making it right. He is reconciling everything. And one day, 
the refugee crisis will be over. We pray in our own time. I pray that it would happen in our own lifetime, but we have the assurance that it will end. We have certain hope because of Jesus. In Revelation 21, verse 4, it says about Jesus, He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. And so, yes, we, as we become more like Jesus, we will lament. We will be brokenhearted. We should expect it. And yet, we do it with so much hope. We should be the most hope-filled lamenters. I'm not sure it's a word, but it is now. We should be the most hope-filled lamenters because we have a God who laments but does something and has done something about it. So just as I finish, if this morning you are, you would say that you are an unbeliever, that you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're honest with yourself and if you are honest about what you see in this world, you know that you are broken, you have wept over your own shortcomings, you have wept over the wor- our broken world, well, Jesus is saying, turn to me. Turn to me because I am making everything right. I am making everything new. I will make you new and I'm making the world new and one day everything will be made right and every tear will be wiped away from your eyes. Turn to him. And if you are a believer, as you become more like Jesus... Ask him to break your heart for the things that break his and for the courage to do something about it because we have assurance that everything is being made right and will be made right because of Jesus. We know in the end that not a single act of injustice will go unjudged. Not a single person who turns to Jesus will go unsaved. And not a single inch of the cosmos will go unreconciled to Jesus himself. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for how much hope and how much assurance there is in your word. We thank you that you are making everything new and that one day everything will be made right. And so, Lord, we pray that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours, but that you would fill us with so much hope because on the cross, you took our sin, you took our brokenness. You promised that everyone who turns to you, you will save and you will keep to the end. And yet you also promised that every, every bit of brokenness in our world, in our whole universe, will be made right in the end. Amen.